0: Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to uh, speak to your people. And Lord, you know I never take that lightly. And Father, I pray that today this message will bring comfort to the ears of the hearers as it brought comfort to me when I first heard it. And I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, now, I have called this message, Why So Long, Lord? Why So Long? What am I talking about? Well, we have all prayed prayers, right? And sometimes uh, uh, those answers don't show up immediately. And sometimes those prayers are about some really serious things. You know, it can be about, you know, you've got a crisis in your family, you've got a health crisis, you've got a financial crisis. Uh, You know, you've got a loved one in the hospital. You've got a wayward child. Sometimes it's really serious stuff. And you've prayed and you've stood and you're you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, Lord, where is my answer? What's happening? And the question will come to your mind. Does he hear me? Did he hear me? Did he hear me when I prayed? Right? Why isn't God answering me? the doubt of, is he going to answer me? Now, I'm going to talk about a story that we're all familiar with, and this is found in Daniel. We know that Daniel, he was um, fasting and praying, and he, he had had a vision, and the vision was about Israel, his people, and it troubled him greatly. And as he was fasting and praying about this vision, I'm going to read this to you, uh, he, he, he was fasting for 21 days. He was greatly troubled, okay? And then it says, then he, it says, and he said to me, um, well, let's start at verse 10. We're in Daniel 10, verse 10. It says, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, "'Do not fear, Daniel, listen, "'for from the first day that you set your heart to understand "'and to humble yourself before God, "'your words were heard, and I have come because of your words.'" But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. With the kings of Persia. So now we see here that Daniel had been fasting and praying and it took 21 days for somebody to come, the angel, the messenger, to come with the answer that he needed. But it says that from the first day, from the very first day, that he humbled himself and brought himself before God and prayed that the answer was on the way. The answer was on the way. Now there's some verses here that we don't usually talk about. Let's go over to verse 20. Verse 20. It says, it says, then he said, the angel, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must, uh, he says, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. When I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Sometimes when you you listen, sometimes when we pray, now we know we know this. Sometimes the lack of quick manifestation is because we ask to miss. Okay, uh, the Bible talks about you know you 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 ask and you receive not because you ask amiss in order to spend it on your lust. This is like the baby Christian, the carnal Christian, the person who's never set their mind to the Word. They don't know any foundation, and their prayers are not based on uh, solid foundation. And it's and sometimes maybe not even stuff that's within covenant, just stuff that carnal stuff. Okay, and then sometimes it's doubt. Sometimes it's doubtless. Look at a Mark eleven. Mark eleven, twenty-three. We all know this. It says Okay, so sometimes we know that the the manifestation has not come because of doubt. Well, what is the answer in that case? Well, in that case, then you're going to need to build up your, your, your confidence in the Word. Right? You're going to have to get your foundation in the Word of God. And so uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you're filled with doubt, then the answer is to go to the Word of God and to look at those verses and look at those promises and get rooted and grounded and get established in what Jesus has given you. But sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you do know the Word and you have stood on the Word and you do believe what you say right and you you have used that word and understood what god has said about what you're promised and yet that 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 you know that answer didn't come quickly you find yourself still walking through the trial you're still in it you're still in it you haven't seen the manifestation of what you're praying for yet in that case you're in spiritual warfare Sometimes you're in spiritual warfare. Now, how do I know if it's spiritual warfare? Well, listen, we're not talking about if you're praying for, you know, the brand new car, the brand new house, but you're okay. And, you know, that's a desire of your heart and God will give you those things. Um, But that's something that maybe is going to take a little while. God's got to work out some circumstances or you've got to work out some things. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, that's spiritual warfare. When he's brought something into your life or into to your loved ones' lives that's going to kill, still, and destroy, such as, such as financial disaster. Mm-hmm. Right? You're gonna lose everything, such as your health. Mm-hmm. You've got that diagnosis from the doctor. Mm-hmm. Right? And so in those cases and, and, and suddenly you say, well, I believe that I am healed or I believe that it is his will to prosper me uh, and, and yet you still find yourself walking through. Has he ignored you? Mm-hmm. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. So what is what is the answer then? Well, when you're going to go to war, you have to suit up. Yeah. You have to suit up. War causes you to have to engage but what you engage in, what do you engage in? It might not be what you think. It might not be what you think it is. This morning I'm going to talk to you about that. Okay, now let's look at Ephesians 6.12. Now, I want you to mark, just put something in Ephesians because as we move back into, this is our main text. And we are going to be here. All right. In Ephesians 6:12, it says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So when I go to spiritual warfare, the first thing I need to understand is it is spiritual warfare. It's not going to be solved. What that means is I have nothing in my natural realm with which to fight this, this uh, you know, attack or this, this thing that has come against me. There is nothing within my natural realm that is sufficient to handle this warfare, right? So then, I, then, so then, so then what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, God told you that our weapons are not carnal, but mighty. Right? Okay? Now we know that we're 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 wrestling against the devil, okay? And he comes. And why does he come? Why does he come? Let's look at Matthew 13, 19 real quick. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the word by the wayside. Okay, so we see, if you go on down, it says, when he's explaining... Let me see where that's at. Uh, When he's explaining this, he talks about how that Satan immediately comes to steal the word. So he's here to take away whatever it is that you heard. So when you're in spiritual warfare and you actually do know the promises and you do know what Jesus has done for you and you have prayed, he withstands you in the hope that he can steal away that word from you in the hopes that he can take away the promise of the healing, in the hopes that he can take away the the promise of the prosperity, in the hopes that he can take away the promise of the salvation of your children, to take away your peace. Right? Right? He, he, He comes to steal that from us. So what is our answer? What is our answer? Okay, let's look at Ephesians, and we're going to start in, uh, this is chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not your might, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, of God. I want you to mark that because I'm going to show you something about that in a few minutes that gave me such great comfort, and I hope it will you too. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, stand therefore, stand therefore. Well, what am I standing on? First of all, let's talk about that. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, I just got through saying that this is not this is not something that you're going to do with your physical uh, mind. Amen. It's not it's not something that you're going to do in your power. It's going to be in His might. We are all uh, in Zechariah four six the, um, when he was talking to Zerubbabel. He says, "This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power." But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, by my spirit. When I am fighting a spiritual warfare, then I need to be in the spirit. And we'll talk about this in a few minutes. This is all going to tie together, so just hang with me. I am going somewhere. Okay? So we're in a spiritual warfare, and it says, put on the armor of God, of God. And we're going to talk about what that is in just a moment. And I'm going to show you that it actually is the armor of God. It's his armor. He was the first one to put it on. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So it says, um, um, let me see, where am I I want to go with this? To stand, to stand. Now, if I'm going to stand on something, then it needs to be something solid. Mm -hmm. Correct? I need something solid to stand on. Later in the scriptures, and we'll get to it, uh, there's, there's another verse that says this. Actually, I'll just go ahead and do that right now. It says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That word preparation, in the Vines translation, what it actually means is having shod your feet it means to be, pl- and being planted on a firm foundation. That is how, that is how it is translated. Shod your feet and be planted on a firm foundation. Well, well, what is our firm foundation? What is our firm foundation? It's Jesus, right? Yes. Jesus. We know in the New Testament here, uh, uh, in the Gospels, it talks about how that Jesus was the cornerstone that the builders rejected. That the builders rejected, right? Right. Amen? Okay, and then let's look at, um, um, let's look at Matthew sixteen, and let's read verses thirteen through nineteen. And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. On this rock... I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All right, now, we know that, the, 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 that um, Peter means rock, and many people have, have said, oh, the church was built on, on Peter. No, no, <laughs> the church was built on the revelation that Peter had of who Jesus was. Right. Come on. Yeah. So when I'm standing, I'm not standing on the works of man or the works of my own hands. Amen. My firm and solid foundation is on Jesus Christ. Amen. And it is through him that I have been given the keys of the kingdom. I am able to bind and to loose and to come against those powers and principalities through the solid rock of Jesus and his finished work. Amen? Through the solid work of Jesus. He is my solid rock. Now, why is this important? Listen, you always fight from the place of victory. Whenever you enter in, you stand solid. To be standing solid on the ground, it it, it has the connotation of this is ground that you own. It didn't say take ground. It said stand. In other words, know what is yours in Christ Jesus and stand on that ground. Fight from the place of victory, not from the place of it's always important that you know this. We are never fighting our battles from the place of I'm trying to get this to happen. I'm trying to make this mine. No, no, you're always fighting the place from the place of uh, defense, not offense. Why? Because it's already yours. There's an enemy that has come in to try to step on the foundation of all that Jesus has done for you. And he wants to steal that away from you. And your place is from the place of victory. Amen? Amen. Your place is from the place of victory. Let's look at Romans 8.32 real quick. Now, I give a lot of scriptures and um, some people like that and some don't, but I make no apology because that is what our Christian faith is built on. Amen. Okay, so it says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things. So I'm standing on the foundation of the fact that Jesus Christ has already done all the work for me and I have already been given everything and I am defending that territory. It says in another verse, it says, uh, he has already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And I love that he said to life and godliness. He didn't just say to godliness. He said, to life and godliness. He separated. In other words, Jesus has taken care of everything that you're ever going to need Amen. on this That's earth right. and for all of eternity. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen? Amen? And so you have a rock-solid foundation on which to stand. On which to stand. All right. Now, it says, having girded your waist. Well, let me make sure I ain't skipping over a whole bunch of stuff because you know how I am. I get going and I just take off on whatever. All right. Having girded your waist with truth. Having girded your waist with truth. Now, when we think of a belt, now now Paul when he was you know, he 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 would have been looking at Roman soldiers. When we think of a belt, we think of something that's a cute accessory or it's holding your pants up. Okay, that's <laughs> So, so that's what we think of, but what Paul was talking about was this belt, they would put it around their, their, their section here. The soldiers would wear this belt, and it was where they kept all their tools. All their, it's where their sword was. It's where their daggers was. It was where everything that belonged to them, where they carried it. It was called the belt of truth. He said, put on, put on, gird yourself with the truth. Put this belt of truth on. Put this belt of truth on. Now, let's look at, real quick, let's look at John. And if y'all don't, you know, if y'all don't turn with me, that's fine. Just write them down. You can look at them later. And we're going to go to John eight thirty two, And it says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Right? And then in John 14, 6, just go over a couple, go over just a couple there. And Jesus said to him, I am the truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John eight thirty six. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So what am I girding myself with? I'm girding myself with the truth of Jesus Christ and everything that he has bought for me. I am girding myself with, with with knowledge that He has set me free. Amen. That I am no longer bound by the devil, but now the devil is actually bound by me. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The tables have been switched, and I have got my sword, which is the sword of truth. He says, "Thy word uh, sanctify them with thy uh, sanctify them, Lord, with thy word. Thy word is truth." Right? And we know that in John 1, um, it talks about that uh, the Word was made flesh and He dwelt amongst men. The Word was with God and He was God and He was made flesh. Right? And so we know that once again, it all points back to who? Jesus. It all points back to Jesus. All of it. It's all spiritual. It's not your actions. That's so important, and you'll understand that more in just a few minutes. It's super important that we get that. It says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. There in Ephesians, our next verse. It says, having put on the breastplate. And I need to follow my own advice and mark this. Amen. It says, stand therefore... Uh, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is where I want to just, I, I want to drill in on this for a few minutes because this is so important, okay? Now, you must be rock solid in the fact that Jesus, Jesus is your righteousness. He has made you Righteous. If you're in a spiritual war, you must know this. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God in him. You are as righteous as Jesus, and it is independent of your works. Amen. Why is this? Why? Why? Why do we have to know this? When you're in a spiritual war, we'll get into this. It talks about the fiery darts of the enemy, and I'm going to explain what that is. In a few minutes, we're going to get to the part where I'm going to expound just a little bit more. Right now, I'm just trying to give you, um, you know, I'm trying to get you. Ready for that. <laughs> okay. But listen, it says that our righteousness is not based on us. That righteousness was a free gift. Yeah. Right? That righteousness was a free gift. I can't earn it. I can't earn it. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's look real quick at, um, hmm. Why? Well, well well, first of all, let me say this: Being righteous, if I'm righteous, I cannot be under the curse of the law. That's right. The law has no, no say over me. Why is that important? Well, with the curse of the law came all of the sickness, all of the disease, all of the poverty, all of the problems. Mm-hmm. But I've been set free from the curse of the law, Galatians 3:13. Let's look at that really quick. We we know that one, but let's look at it. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Right? Romans 8, 2. It says, For the law of life and liberty through Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of Of sin and death. And just one, just a couple, uh, just a a couple chapters over in Galatians, one chapter over in, in Galatians 2 and verse 20 and 21. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So now I see that the righteousness, Jesus became sin." so that I could become the righteousness of God through him. What does that mean to me? That means that now I boldly go into the throne room because I am on the same level as God in my uprightness. In my uprightness, in my righteousness, I am able to boldly walk into the throne room without without sin consciousness. Now, it's important to understand that that came through Jesus because the truth is, is that we all know that we get saved and sometimes we still mess it up. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we're going to talk about that because the enemy uses that. And when you're in spiritual warfare, you've got to put the breastplate of righteousness on. Now, what does a breastplate do? It guards your heart and your lungs, your vital, your vital organs. Your vital organs. When I put the breastplate of righteousness on, when I put it on, I am guarding my heart. That's right. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. I am gu- I, I'm guarding something that's vital to me. It's vital that I understand this because this is where the enemy, why would I need a breastplate to, 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 to protect that? Because the enemy's going to come after it. He's going to come after that. Amen? He's going to come after that. And I must know what Christ has done for me. If I do not know that my righteousness is given to me through Jesus, I will fall for the fiery darts of the enemy. I will fall for the fiery darts of the enemy. We're going to talk about those in a minute. Now, verse uh, 15, it says, I shod my feet. I shod my feet, okay? Let's look at that real quick. It says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, remember, I said that that preparation, it means it it says, and shod your feet and be planted on the firm foundation of the gospel of peace. Romans 5, Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the shield of faith. Let's look at that. Let me look at that real quick. Where was it at? It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. Well, now, I just got through saying that I've got to to be established in the righteousness, right? I have to have my feet on the firm foundation of what Christ has done for me. I have to understand that. And then it says, take the shield of faith. Now, when we think of a shield, Roman soldiers, they had a shield and it was wood and it was covered in hides. And it was very strong, okay? And so they would... They would hold this shield. But in the Bible, God's idea of a shield, if you go to Psalms and you read the original language, a shield, God's shield, it was something that surrounded you all the way around. Amen. That's right. In other words, it covered you front and back. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And so he says, take up that shield of faith. But what is my faith founded in? What is my faith founded in? It's founded in the finished work of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. It's founded in the finished work of Jesus. Okay, Uh, uh, now, 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 now. It says that I will be able. Excuse me. That I will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are fiery darts? Well, in this in this case, it's not little darts that you throw. It's not that. He's talking about javelins, like spears that you would throw, that are set on fire. They're set on fire, right? An arrow that you would shoot. You know, we've all seen the cowboy and Indian uh, movies, you know. Um, they Inevitably, those cowboys are shooting and shooting, and they're hiding behind the caravans and the bells of hay, and then there's that one Indian that shoots that arrow that's got fire on it and sets the whole thing on fire and burns it down, right? Burns down all their fortification. Do you know that's what the enemy wants to do? He just wants to shoot one fiery dart and burn down your foundation and everything you're hiding behind so that he smokes you out into the open and then he can take you out. And I'm going to tell you how you quench it. See, wouldn't it be cool if they could have quenched that fire before it ever hit them? But you can. You can quench that. Now, when 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 the enemy shoots these fiery darts, he is aiming for your thought life. See, how he defeats you is he comes along and he says, oh, okay, so you're standing on the word that says that um, by his stripes you were healed. But now you know good and well, you know good and well that you haven't eaten right, okay, and you didn't take good care of yourself. You also know that sometimes you've been angry with people. um, And what does he do? What does the accuser do? That word there for your adversary, the the word, the evil one, is also translated um, uh, uh, your adversary. Adversary is the name of Satan. It actually means your opponent, your accuser at law. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to tell you why it's so important that you be so established in the fact that Jesus did it. Because what Satan does, his fiery darts, is he always takes you back to law. He always takes you back to law every time. And he'll defeat you that way. Mm -hmm. If he can get your eyes on you and what you have done and what you have not done, then he can burn down all of your fortifications He can take out your shield. He can take out your firm foundation because we all know that we we do not make the mark all the time. We all know that. But praise God, it's not based on your righteousness or my righteousness. I must know that my righteousness does not come from the acts of the law. It does not come from my acts. My righteousness is firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. I did not earn the righteousness and I cannot unearn the righteousness. Praise God. Now I can act like I'm not righteous, but I do not unearn the righteousness. It is a well-established fact. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus, right? So when I say to you the words quench, what do you think of? If I say quench, what's the first thing you think of? water yes thirsty how do i put these fiery darts out well we're going to talk about that in a minute cuz it says that you can quench those fiery darts right you can quench, you you quench them a fiery dart uh you know um Let me see if I want to go there yet. The first thing that I was going to say before we go to that point is it tells you to put on the helmet of your salvation. The helmet of your salvation. Why? Because where does the enemy shoot the fiery darts? In your mind. The battle is in your mind. And you must win the battle in your mind. Yes. Amen. He, if he can get you, if he can get you thinking the wrong things, if he can be, oh, you know, oh, oh, and, and listen, he'll come to you with the law. You know, he'll come to you with symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yep, he'll get you to look at your symptoms. Well, you prayed and you prayed, and if you were healed, why do you still have this symptom? Why do you still have that symptom? The other night in in, in um, prayer here uh, last last Sunday night, we had prayer meeting. <laughs> And when we were praying, Barbara Neff got up and she prayed something and she, she was talking and she said, it's by the blood. I, I, I sense this in the spirit. You, you, you know what? You didn't, it, it's not your works. You're not guilty, not guilty. The blood Amen. has made Amen. you not guilty, yeah. not guilty, Amen. not guilty. Amen. You don't owe the penalty for sin. Amen. You must be established in that. You must be if you want to win the war. Amen. If you're in spiritual war, you must have your foundation firmly planted in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his finished work. You cannot put your eyes on you and how well you have done. Now, this is super important because in our camp, we are a word of faith camp, and we do know that we stand on the word, all right? And that the word is our sword, and we're to yield that word with our mouth. But the problem that we have is we then start getting over into works. That's right did I do this good enough mm-hmm. uh, is my faith strong enough and then we start worrying about having faith in our faith mm-hmm. okay and we, we start looking at our, our our faith to find out if we're going to get this answer or not yeah. do I do do I have faith in my own faith well you're not supposed to have faith in your own faith you're supposed to have faith in the finished works of Jesus right. amen. 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 amen 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 and so To quench these fiery darts, he tells you how to do it. He says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit. Now, we know that the written word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing us under of soul and spirit. Okay? Um, So, we know that our sword, it is our one uh, weapon of offense. Everything else is defense. Everything else here is defense. Our only weapon of offense is the word of God. So I willed that word of God. But in the original language, this has another meaning. It doesn't just mean the written word of God. It's the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God. So I'm to take up this spoken word of God. Excuse me <laughs> now how am I going to do that I'm telling you all this that you're to put this on but you know that it tells us right there how to do it it tells us how do we put on the armor of God now you've we've all heard teachings like you know you get up in the morning and it's you pray and you say, by faith, I, you know, I, I shod my feet with the gospel of peace and I put on the helmet of salvation and I put on the breastplate of righteousness and I gird my waist with truth and, I, and, and we've heard that. But you know, that's not actually how you put it on. <laughs> that's not really actually how you put it on. It actually tells you, but unfortunately, when they when they translated this scripture, for whatever reason, they took out a very important word, and I'm going to show it to you. Verse nineteen, uh, verse um, uh, eighteen. It says, "Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." Now, right before that word, "praying always with." prayer in the greek it says through through in other words put on all of this through praying in the spirit praying in the spirit with all perseverance so the way i actually put this armor on is through praying in the holy ghost praying in the holy ghost how do i walk in the spirit how do I walk in the Spirit? I pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, now, now. I told you that this is supernatural armor, right? And that word right there, uh, it says, take the Word of God. Listen, where do I get my personal Ramos When do you get your personal Ramos When you're praying in the Holy Ghost, right? When you've spent time praying and sitting in the presence of God. Amen. In other words, this is not me getting up and, and getting myself all worked up into a tizzy and, 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 you know, looking to myself, and did I say the word enough? And did I, and am I, you know, uh, ah, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. Take your stance, take your stance in a place of rest in the, in the finished work of Jesus. Amen. So when you were in a spiritual battle, what are you going to do? Horabacasha tere de me shita la basi de la bar yabrosh noho. Harabaradashenderede hide hide hide. Harabacatasa la batore me de shiti hiti h. hataha. Isa caralabasitaha. Father, what do you say about this situation? Shokere me shikara la basi de la mandara rosso. Isa catara la basi de la basi de basi I put on that armor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your. Finish- I thank you that I have been made the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. I am your righteousness. I thank you that your word works. Mm -hmm. Father, I will say what you say about this situation. I just put on the armor of God. I just put on the armor of God. Amen? Amen. Now, I know that when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, we know this, we are praying uh, in this, it, it, out the mysteries of God, right? Yeah. We're praying out the mysteries of God. When I pray in the Holy Ghost, what does it say about that? It says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters, living waters. Now, let's go back to the word quench, how am I going to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one? How am I going to do that? Well, listen, when water meets fire, who wins? Water wins. Amen. So when I pray in the Holy Ghost, I quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. He gave you a weapon that's so easy. And it encompasses so many things. And this gift of praying in the Holy Ghost, we simply do not use it the way that we should. We simply, listen, listen. It's easy for all of us when you're in a battle. The easiest thing to do is to get yourself involved in escapism behaviors. It's our human nature. I also can be prone to it. Things are hard. Things are difficult. I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to. Well, instead of going and running to the computer or the television or the, or the hobby or the friend and or, 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 or. Go sit yourself down. And you pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You stop trying to fight and figure it out in your own mind. Yeah. If you're going to have some escapism behaviors, escape into the Holy Ghost. Amen. Escape into what God has said about it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Escape into what God has said about it. Now, remember, remember, we said that this is supernatural armor. This is supernatural armor, right? Okay. This is actually the armor of God. Let's look at Isaiah 59, 15, and 19. Actually, I want to start, I want to start, before I go there, because we were talking about the Holy Ghost, let's go to Isaiah 28. And let's look at 11 and 12. Remember, I said that this is not your 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 strength. This is not... This is not you working towards it. This is not we, we we think of being in a battle as we're working hard. We're we're listen, you're standing but you're standing in peace and in rest. Amen. It says for with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people to whom he said, "This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing." Yet they would not hear. In other words, when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, I actually am refreshing myself. I don't need to escape into the television to get refreshed. I don't need to escape to the beach or to the golf course to get refreshed. I don't need to spend hours listening to, uh, you know, podcast and music and whatever to get refreshed. That escapism behavior, if you'll turn it to the right thing, you can escape into the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 All right. Now, this armor that I was talking about, I want you to understand. It is spiritual armor, and it is put on spiritually through the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. That armor is actually is the armor of God. Now, let's turn over there to Isaiah 59. I can't believe it. I'm almost out of time. Goodness gracious. Let me hurry up. And we're going to read verses 15 through 19. Now, now he's talking here about he has seen uh, that Zion has fallen and that they've become prey. And God is talking about what he is going to do about that. Okay. And it says, and so truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. In other words, the righteous, the righteous were becoming prey to the to the wicked. Okay. And then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He's talking about uh, the redeemer of Zion here, okay? He saw that there was no man and wondered there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he, here it is, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was glad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries. This is how he, how he fought against the adversaries. And recompense to his enemies. The coastlands he will fully repay. So, they sh- so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against What is the standard that has been lifted up against the enemy? Jesus Christ. Jesus is is the standard that was lifted up against the enemy. And he tells you here, listen, that was God's armor. He put on the breastplate of righteousness. He put on the helmet of salvation. If it's good enough for God to fight the enemies, I think it might be good enough for you and I. What do you think? What do you think? Amen. Amen. Right? Now, now, let's look real real quick. The battle does sometimes take a while. It does take a while. But you may say, but why? Why doesn't God just, you know, why can't he just answer right away? Why? I've heard that before. I won't tell you from who, but I have heard it. Why do I have to go through this battle? Why can't, why can't, you know, why doesn't God just immediately put the enemy in his place? (laughs) Well, it's a good question. Let's read James 1, verse 2 and 3. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Now, when we hear the word patience, we automatically think of long-suffering. We think of... Enduring until something passes. But do you know the biblical explanation of patience is not that at all? Biblical definition of patience is an intolerance of the work of the enemy to steal, kill, or destroy that produces and builds in us a courageousness that says enough. Enough. In other words, patience is not passive. It's not passive. It's, it, you could say it like this, it is an independent, unyielding, defiant perseverance in the face of aggressive misfortune and this leads to a kind of courageousness. Now notice it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In other words, it produces a courageousness in you that will not tolerate the enemy coming to kill still and destroy from you. And you will be made perfect. You will be entire and wanting nothing. Why? Because you will, you will stand on the promises that God has given you. And you will do that from the ground of the finished work of Jesus and you will not be defeated. That works because you stand on the righteousness of Jesus. The minute the devil can get you looking at you, your resources, your goodness, your lack of goodness, your works, your faith, your, your, your performance, you, 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 the minute you try to approach it from the stance of you and your, your abilities, you lost. He'll win every time. But if you will stand... If you will stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you cannot be defeated. You cannot be defeated. And if you will pray in the Holy Ghost and put the armor on so that you are strong and you build yourself up, build yourself up in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Ghost, and keep yourself in the love of God. You know, the verses where it says, what shall separate me from the love of God when we're going through trials? There's a temptation to be like, if God loved me, why would this be happening to me? (laughs) You know, if God really loves me, why why am I having this tribulation? Why am I having this trouble? Why is it lasting? Why is it lasting? When I pray in the Holy Ghost, I build myself up in the love of God. Nothing can separate me from that love. Amen. If I'll keep myself over there in the spirit. It, the Bible says, what shall separate you from the love, the love of God? Shall height or depth or, or length or breadth or width or, 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 or created things or things in the heavens or things on the earth or things in the sea? Now, I'm just saying this in any order. I don't know. I've probably got it all out of order, but that's okay. You know the verse. Yeah. All right. So praise Jesus. In other words, he's saying that none of these things are the indication of God's love for you. None of them are. None of those things means that God doesn't love you. So how do I keep myself established in it? I put on the armor of God. And how do I put on the armor of God? I pray in the Holy Ghost. I put it on. I put it on. I get rooted and grounded in the righteousness that came through Christ Jesus and not through me. And then I take the very armor that God himself used and I, I, through prayer, through prayer, remember I told you that last verse, the first word in the Greek in the original language was through praying in the Spirit. Through praying in the Spirit. Put it on through praying in the Holy Ghost. And I put that armor on and I stand on that firm foundation of what Jesus has done for me and then... I defeat the enemy and I will come out the other side of that spiritual warfare victorious. The Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. The fight, the good fight of faith. That's 1 Timothy 6, 12. 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Even our faith. Even our faith. Not faith in yourself. Faith in Jesus Christ. I think that we all have to come back to that sometimes. We all do. We all have to come back to it sometimes. Nope, not guilty. Not based on me. Nope, not guilty, devil. Blood of Jesus. The blood. I don't owe the penalty. I don't owe the penalty for sin. I don't owe it. Not guilty. I stand and I fight the good fight of faith. Amen. All right. Now, wow, I took us right down to having, uh, well, I'm a little bit beyond what I'm supposed to be, but praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I give you all the glory and the honor, and I just pray, Father, that these words will bring comfort to those who are going through difficulties, Lord. I know that the enemy likes to make us think that the, the presence of difficulties means the absence of your love but nothing could be further from the truth. And Father, I pray that they would not allow the fiery darts to enter into their minds and to still the word, to still the promises that have been given to them. And I give you all the praise and all the glory, and I pray for each and every one of them who are walking through a hard time, who are walking through a trial. Father, I pray that this will comfort them and that they will be comforted. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.